Good morning. Please sit and stay a while. How, how long a while is that? What's something to say? I'll watch the clock. So, um, uh, Art has been taking us through Colossians, and I'm going to leave that with him, and I'm going to um, spend some time in the gospel, the gospel reading that we all know, right? Martha and Mary, and what's new to say about them? <coughs> Often when we talk about Martha and Mary, we talk about Martha, Martha's busyness. We talk about busyness and, and uh, what's really important. And uh, I've said myself that being too busy, B-U-S-I, is being under Satan's yoke. (laughs) But, um, and certainly we should never be too busy to sit at our Lord's feet. But most commentators agree that Jesus was not condemning Martha, uh, but correcting her. And uh, perhaps Martha just wanted Mary to help so that she could also listen to Jesus. I mean, you know, we shouldn't be too quick to to say that being Martha is, is, is a negative thing. But uh, Jesus did say that the better thing is to listen to Jesus. And I think he was just saying, look, you know, Martha is probably doing a you know, 12-course meal or something. And Jesus said, one, one course is enough. You know, a lot of times, Jesus you know, is, is bread and wine. You know? <laughs> so um, I think that's what he was just trying to say, that... Um, you know, calm down. There's more important things than running around and scurrying around. Um, and because Jesus was always about feeding us. He was always about wanting us to be fed. Um, but at the same time, he went to a lot of dinners. Um, in fact, Jesus said that the Pharisees accused him, the son of man, that he just came to drink and eat. And behold, a gluttonous man and a drunkard. You find that in Matthew eleven nineteen. So Jesus was not averse to enjoying a good meal. And this is not the only meal Jesus had at Bethany, the village of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And I'm going to get to that other meal before the day is through. <laughs> I'm glad you're laughing. <laughs> But, so, but I want, what I want to talk about is hospitality. Uh, but more than that, because hospitality can sometimes become very one-dimensional. It's, you know, preparing a meal and maybe having you stay over in a bed. But I think hospitality is more than that. Um, I looked up some synonym, synonyms. I knew I wasn't going to say that. Uh, which I think I like a little better. Some of them are friendliness, warmth, affability, conviviality. It's more of a personality. It's, it's more of a character trait. And the one I, I like the best is welcome. Being a welcoming person. Because there are many ways to welcome people. And sometimes when we get a little bit too crazy being hospitable, the guest knows that and really wants to go home because you're, you're, you know, your stress level is too much. But welcome implies that, that the host understands what is welcoming to you the guest. So in this light, we can see that both women practiced welcome, just in different ways. In fact, we just read that it was Martha who welcomed him into the house. This may or may not have been the first time that Jesus had been there, 
We don't know who invited him initially. Maybe it was Lazarus. But on this occasion, it's Martha who is recognized as the one who welcomed him into her house. She apparently took ownership of the whole thing. And that's the most obvious and usual form of what we would call welcome. Come on over, have a bite to eat, let's sit and chat a while, maybe play a game, let's get to know each other. Based on subsequent scripture readings, there seems to be some regularity in Jesus' visit to this household. In John eleven five, we read, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And can you imagine that? I mean, being best friends with Jesus? The disciples were with him almost all the time, but there's something special about Jesus stopping over whenever he's in town in Bethany. I, I just wonder how that relationship developed. You know, how, did, how many times did he pop over in his three years of ministry? Um, anyway, Jesus was a family friend, so much so that Jesus broke the social norm of the day and visited a woman's house, which wouldn't have been done, and then allowed Mary to sit at his feet, which is usually the teacher had males sit at his feet, not women. But Jesus always was a little bit into um, breaking the rules and, and breaking what was the stereotype. But Martha was obviously the stereotypical Jewish matriarch. Eat, come on, you're so skinny. She was gifted with the welcome, with the welcome of serving. Jesus showed this kind of welcome himself. You know, with the 5,000 and the 4,000, he didn't send them away. He said, come on, give them something to eat. And his first miracle, I mean, you can't have a wedding without wine. Jesus didn't even have a home of his own to invite people to, but wherever he was, he welcomed people. He welcomed them to dine with him. I mean, in today's Genesis reading, same kind of Welcome, Abraham sees three strangers, invites them, and he goes a little overboard. He invites them to bread, and then he goes and prepares a meal of veal. (laughs) But that was very important, and still is in the Middle East, this this idea of of welcoming strangers in, of not letting them um, just hang out in in the square. And Apostles has embarked on this a little bit, this kind of welcoming. You know, we've recently partnered with Bridges, at the University of Bridgeport. Come, you know, let's share a meal together. Hebrews 13.2 reminds us to not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Mary expressed a different kind of welcome, the welcome of listening. To listen to someone, to to be with someone, to, to show them by your presence that they're important. This too is welcome. In a later scene in John 12, 2, where they're at dinner again, it says, so they gave dinner for him there. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those reclining with him at table. So we, here we have a familiar scene, Martha serving again, because that's her gift of welcome, serving. And then this time, Lazarus spending time with Jesus, listening to him. He was exercising that kind of welcome, demonstrating welcome just by being with and and spending time with, engaging with Jesus. I mean, don't we all feel a little more important when somebody takes the time 
to spend time with us? Jesus, of course, demonstrated this all the time. He's constantly listening to the heart of the broken, the sick, the heart of mothers and fathers for their children, and his disciples, silly and off base as they often were. Jesus spent time with them. He spent time with the Samaritan woman. He had dinners with Matthew and Zacchaeus, the two tax collectors, and Cleopas and his companion on the road to Emmaus. Jesus frequently invited people to be with him, to eat with him. He even welcomed people into their homes because to spend time with Jesus always changes you. It seems to turn things around somehow. You know, most of us, if you've ever been on a mission trip or done mission, you think you're going out to bless others and you end up being blessed more than... than, and, And Jesus does that, right? In Bridgeport, apostles also does some of that through the Emmaus Partnership, expressing through that just their consistent presence for years, showing that the people who live there are important. They're worth the time. We're concerned for them. They welcome the residents through prayer, listening, and service back into community, back into their own community. In the John 12 passage, it goes on to say in verse 3, Mary therefore took a pound of expensive ointment made from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with their hair, with her hair. Here we have more extreme demonstration of welcome, more intimate. To minister, to touch, to know someone well enough to be able to be intimate and safe. Like the woman who washed Jesus' feet with her hair in Luke 7. Like Peter, James, and John who developed an even closer relationship than the other disciples. I really think, I've said this before, I really think that Thomas longed for that intimacy, you know, wanting to touch Jesus' wounds. I mean, that's, that's pretty intimate, don't you think? And Jesus welcomed him. He said, yeah, come on, touch him. Jesus always welcomed people to come closer, to know him better, to, to know the Father better. In his priestly prayer in John 17, it says that they may be one even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become Perfectly one. I mean, that sounds like marriage. Becoming one flesh. Jesus welcomed people right up until the end. People who you and I might never think to welcome. The thief on the next cross asked to be welcomed. He welcomed Jesus as his savior, saying, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He knew Jesus had a kingdom. And Jesus accepted the invitation and welcomed them right back. Today, truly, I say to you, you'll be with me in paradise. And then Jesus even asked the Father to forgive the very people who were killing him, forgiving us. That's an invitation too, isn't it? You're welcome to come to Jesus, sup with him, to, to take him in. Apostles does some of this through Kairos. There are many criminals on crosses in prisons, crosses of their own making, just like the thief. And there are many sinners like the woman at Jesus' feet. And there are Thomases and Peters as well. 
never having had intimacy, but longing for it. And then these strangers from Kairos coming in for 12 hours a day to spend time with them. This becomes a bit of a paradise for the inmates. So many bereft of any self-love or feeling of worthiness, finding in this willingness to be intimate with them, a joy that seems out of place in such a hard and dark place. But as Psalm 139 says, even the night is as day to God. And there are and have been other welcoming gifts represented here. Welcoming people to to sing and express their their, um, musical abilities in in Haiti and the Dominican Republic. Welcoming Mexican children to become leaders. Welcoming children with disabilities in Colombia into community. Welcoming children in Rwanda to school. And welcoming men and women to Christ and sobriety in Bridgeport. As I said earlier, welcome is an attitude, a a status of the heart, a character trait. It's the heart of flesh that God has promised us, and his spirit develops it in us through prayer. Prayer for others establishes this gift of welcome in our hearts. And we do that here too. Some praying fervently for the persecuted church. Some for those who are trafficked for sex. And there are probably other ministries of welcome here that I haven't mentioned. At this point, some of you may be thinking, is this an advertisement for Church of the Apostles? (laughs) Maybe it is, a little bit. As I was preparing this sermon and thinking about this, this household that Jesus found to be a safe place, a welcoming hiatus from his ministries, I kept thinking... about our church and the feeling that this is such a place as well. It kept at me. We have a nice place here. And I'm not talking about the physical space. I'm talking about the the spiritual space. We're not perfect. But I think we've been in training for our new home to come. I had no idea I was going to be this emotional. Excuse me. There are many gifts in this room and many more not here today, but that are part of the body. I mean, we just lost this year two gifted people, people of, of welcome. You know, Bob Torek and Sue Fleming, they were, they were welcoming people. And I got it, you know, I, I wasn't sure whether to say this because I'll, I'll get criticized afterward. But, but, you know, what the heck, what's life without criticism? But I really, to me, it's like, you know, it would be so Bob to have, you know, buttonholed Jesus and said, how come these guys don't have a home yet? (laughs) Forgive me for a little whimsy there. (laughs) We've had three shepherds at Apostles, and each of them has needed all three kinds of welcome. And I think each of them received it from us. God knows our giftedness, And so has sent three men who needed our ministry as much as we needed theirs. I hope this doesn't sound too bold for me to say, because I say it as an encouragement. Each of our pastors has needed our welcome, our prayer, our emotional support, our financial support, our coming alongside of them during family illness or tragedy. And we have come and stood with them. 
This doesn't happen everywhere. I mean, I've been around. I've been uh, members of other churches, other denominations, and unfortunately, it's not as prevalent with what I found here. So this is a little bit a love letter to this church, too, because I really do love this church. So as we prepare to move into a new neighborhood, these gifts we've been given will be in even greater demand. Even though the usual practice would be the the neighborhood sending out its welcome wagon, if that even exists anymore, to us. But I believe we are to be like Jesus and welcome them into our new neighborhood. Welcome them into their own community, maybe for the first time. Those of you who have been at Apostles for a little while might remember that we originally... uh, had a bishop from Rwanda overseeing, giving us oversight, Bishop Rushiana, John Rushiana from Rwanda. And on one of his visits, during a sermon here, he prophesied Revelation 3.8 over this church. In Revelation, it was addressed to the church of Philadelphia, but Bishop John addressed it to us. And it goes like this. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power and yet you have uttered and denied my name. John pointedly asking to go through that door. He did earlier the son asked, who should your tent? Who shall appeal? And he goes on to it himself. Where is an uncorrupt life? And truth from heart has not slammed his neighbor. This is a sign. And being with the truth in our hearts. And to save Because that type of sin. Come to save. To say, I can save anyone. Is slain who can. To bring Jesus to life. But we can't get his will. And coming. For talking. We love ourselves. In themselves. You hate. Give this to Bridgeport. You're prone to find inkly of self And can't be brave, which is to love the Lord your God with your heart and with all your mind or strength. Without God, without properly. There's less to without me. We always love loving our as we look. I this up. Because Jesus, John 13, in the room, after Passover, after washing his in verse 4 of chapter 3, a new I give to you that you're just that I have loved you. So are to love. Not to love myself, but as just love, which never. Whew, that's tough stuff. And we can't say, well, he was saying, at last, stew, chapter and priest, I do not ask for but all those who have served. Those who are now in reckoned in his body, and that as all two are to be given us for the purpose of meeting God for known. Stewards are to take care of what belongs to one else. Treat their men as if it was theirs. God trusts us with us and trusts to be good stewards of each other. Now, is it just to go? <clears throat> we have to take care of He says, We're ready. We're ready. Jesus said to us after their feet, and do a lot. So, missed the, the silence. I would like to spend a minute and even now bear our, our neighbor. <laughs> 